This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. jump right into the Word of God this morning uh, and, and just study the Word. Is that cool? I'm going to go to a very familiar passage of Scripture uh, in the Old Testament to the Psalm, uh, to the, the, the Psalms that, that David and a bunch of other songwriters have penned for us in the Old Testament. And it's a passage that I have studied a lot in my life uh, and, and a passage that has helped me in my spiritual walk. Uh, it's a passage that my, my two girls have started to or, or my five-year-old has memorized, and she knows it at the back of her hand, and my two-year-old knows the first two verses, and uh, she's slowly inching her way there. Uh, if you heard it for the first time, you probably had no idea what she's saying. Uh, it's, it's probably gibberish to you, but I know what she's saying, and, uh, and it's such a joy to be able to instill that uh, within our kids, and if you, if you didn't catch my drift already, I'm talking about Psalm 23, of course, and uh, it's one of the Psalms that a lot of us know uh, by heart. It's something that if you grew up in church, you probably grew, uh, grew up learning and memorizing and you know it uh, in your heart and uh, you, you go back to it every single time uh, you need or you're in the middle of spiritual warfare. It's something that you hold on to. So uh, I want to talk today from the topic or from the subject through the valley, through the valley. Uh, life is filled with peaks and valleys. Uh, if you don't know that already, you haven't probably lived long enough. In my very short existence on earth, I have learned as a, not just as a Christian, but as a human being, that my lives are, my, our lives are often filled with ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Uh, you know, a peak is something excellent that happens in your life. It's something great. It's something amazing, phenomenal. It's something noteworthy, something that you can talk about, something that you can celebrate. Uh, the birth of your child, for example, is a high point in your life. Uh, the day you get married, that's a high point in your life. For different people, it's different things that are high points in your life. For some of you all, it's like, I'll take the little things in life as high points in your life. Like when he texts you back after that first date, right? Asking if you'd like to hang out again. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to marry him, right? So, no, just kidding. Don't do that, right? But, but that's a high point. Like, you're excited. Those things get you excited. Uh, high points happen in everybody's life, right? So, uh, and, and during those moments, it's easy to be a Christian. It's easy to be a believer. It's easy to have faith and trust in Jesus. It's easy to say, thank you, Jesus, and sing those worship songs, right? It's easy, it's easy to say God is good and there's no doubt in your mind that God is blessing you in those seasons. But life isn't one peak after another and we know that. We're not meant to jump from one peak to the other. It's not, it's not, it doesn't work that way. There are troubles in life too. There are valleys as well. Those difficult moments are come to every Christian's life, every believer's life. We encounter problems, we encounter troubles, we encounter issues in our life. The troubles of life on, are inevitable. When you have been diagnosed with cancer, that's a valley, right? When a loved one dies, that's a valley. During those moments, it's more difficult to be a Christian sometimes when you're in those valley experiences where you just don't feel God, and it's hard to say God is good. Sometimes your faith is shaken in those moments. 
When we're in valleys, we rebuke it. We hate it. But when, when we're in it, uh, we, 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 we know that God has a plan and God has a purpose. But sometimes we don't fully understand it and grasp it because it's hard to understand hard and tough times. But let me be bold enough this morning to say that the valley is the gym of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've never been to a gym, but I heard it ain't comfortable. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Just kidding. I have. I've, I've, I've been to the gym once. And <laughs> I took a subscription for like, I uh, went to LA Fitness and they said, you won't believe, we're going to give you this, this amazing deal, three years. If you just lock in for three years, and I told Sonia, Sonia, you won't believe it. Okay, this, this price, it's all inclusive. I can play basketball, and I can work out. And she's like, are you going to use it? I said, of course, Shan's going to work out with me. I said, Shan, both of us are going to go. We're going to work out. Three years, babe, you're going to see me a completely different man. She said, okay, I know you pretty well, but hey, if, if this is a commitment you're going to make, do it, right? We were good, right, Shan? Three, three, three weeks? We, we went strong. One week? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, my bad, bro. My bad, my bad. One week. One week we went at it. Jobin tried picking me up, and Jobin said, Jobin's the workaholic, like the workoutaholic here. Uh, and, and he called me and said, Ashish, you need to get in shape. Let's, let's go work out. He drove all the way from Fort Worth to, to Saxe for one hour. And I said, he asked me, what time do you want to meet? Six in the morning, right? I said, six in the morning? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do six in the morning. And he calls me, and he calls me, and calls me. And I'm sleeping, right? I'm sleeping through this whole thing. And he's like, he's like Pastor, where are you? Like, he's texting me. He's like, dude, where are you? I'm here at LA Fitness. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm sleeping. I, I, I can't do this. <laughs> it ain't comfortable. Gym experiences aren't comfortable. But in Psalm 23, we go and we study this passage of Scripture, and we're going to do things slightly different today. Is that cool? I know that I read the Scripture and then you listen, but let's, let's read this in its entirety. Can, can we read together? Is that cool? All right, open your Bibles with me and let's read, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us through this word? Give us what we need today and for this week. I pray, God, that your word will be nourishing, it will be uplifting, and it will be life-changing. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Psalm 23 was a psalm uh, that was, it's, it's called or referred to as a psalm of presidents. Uh, Lincoln often referred to Psalm 23 very often in times of depression when the country was going through a very horrible time. Lincoln would encourage the country and declare Psalm 23 over the country. George Bush actually uh, read Psalm 23 and declared Psalm 23 over uh, America when 9-11 happened and uh, when he wanted to calm the fears of the country. Psalm 23 is often a psalm that you'll read on sympathy cards or crematoriums and funeral homes and gravesides. But I pray that we will be able to take what, what is on gravesides and what is considered as something that is associated with evil and pain and suffering 
and we will have the ability to take that and transfer that into a positive thing and transfer it to the tablets of our heart. Psalm 23 is a psalm that we can hang on to and hold on to in times of pain. The Bible refers to us as sheep. Man, that isn't a compliment by any means. He doesn't refer, it doesn't refer to us as bears or lions or owls. There's something positive associated with those things, but it, it, it refers to us as sheep. Sheep can't navigate itself. Sheep are pretty, pretty distracted. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, the Bible says that, right? We all are sheep, and then we've gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way. That's what the Bible says. What are sheep? Sheep need shepherds. That's what sheep are. We need guidance. We need leading. Sheep on its best day is, good, is as good as, its shep, as a shepherd that leads it. They're led. They're guided. Sheep are animals that, are, that, that need constant pushing and nudging and encouragement. I'm not sure when David wrote this psalm, but a few theologians argue, and there are two spectrums of this, and I'm not taking either side because it's inconclusive. There's one spectrum of theologians that argue that, 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 that David writes this psalm when he's a shepherd boy, right? In the middle of all that he was going through as a young man growing up, tending to flock, he writes this beautiful psalm. There's another set of theologians that say that David at this point in time is an old man, He's looking back at his past. He's looking back at how God brought him and from where God brought him. And he's declaring and talking about the goodness of God. But more than verse 1, 2, and 3, which I've taught at the church before, the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He claims God to be his everything, the one that guides him and leads him. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside, beside waters. He says, man, he is my provider. He is my everything. He provides for me. He gives me everything I need. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But verse number four is one of the most remarkable verses in the Bible. And it's a verse that I want to encourage each, each one of us with this morning. Verse four is about this valley. And, and, and it's most striking out of the whole, all of the verses because the Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to leave five points with you. Somebody say five points. Some of y'all are like five. Oh my God. I was hoping it would be three, but let's go five. Okay. Today, five. Point number one, there will always be valleys in your life. There will always be valleys. The Bible doesn't say, if I, if I walk through the valley. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley. We go through three peaceful verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My God is good, he's my provider, he, he tends to my every need, he gives me water, he gives me comfort, he, he gives me strength, and all of these comforting verses. And then we get to verse number four, where it, 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 it's, it's no more calm waters, right? It's no more green pastures or sparkling waters or smooth vistas. That's not what the passage is talking about. Right? He's saying, man, just like valleys that are part of the natural landscape of earth, that, and, and Christians are going to find that their Christian walk are going to be very similar to that. It's going to be the ups and it's going to be the downs. He says, it's, it's, it's just, like, just like how hills and valleys are made in the natural beauty of things and how God has made them in nature. It's exactly how the Christian walk is going to be. Ups and downs. 
And on some days, shadows that you're going to face in your life are going to be longer and darker on some days. John chapter 5 and verse 7 tells us this. It says, man is born to trouble as long as sparks fly upwards. What he's basically saying is as long as comets and, 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 and stuff are like flying through the sky day after, we're always going to see that trouble is going to reign around us. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians when he says troubles and temptations are common to man. Trials are common. We're going to experience these moments in our lives. It's always a part of life. Do not ever think that the Christian walk is always going to be mountaintop experiences where you jump from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. Like I said, you probably have been experiencing something that, like that in your life. But every Christian comes to that point in your life where you will inevitably be faced with a valley that you are charged to train for when you're not in the valley. Some of us are genuinely surprised when we go through valleys. Oh, what happened here? Lord, aren't you with me? Oh, I, I failed in my test. Lord, what happened? I thought I was worshiping you, Lord. I, Lord, I'm, I'm going through some crazy stuff in my marriage and my relationships. God, where are you, God? We're like super surprised when valleys happen. And the Bible teaches us that we are going to go through valleys. And that's why it's very clear over there. Hey, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not if I walk. It's even though I walk. I know it's going to come. And I pray that we will be people that embrace that in these days. The shepherd lead the sheep into the valleys. That's what shepherds do. They don't keep them away from the valleys. Very often we think that God always protects us from valleys and bad experiences and horrible situations in our life, but the shepherd is the one that often leads the sheep into the valleys. He allows those circumstances to happen. Why, Pastor Ashish? Because it gets hot sometimes. It gets blaring hot and the shepherd moves them. They move them to the ravines. They move them to where the water is. They move them to where the, 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 the plants and the growth is. Because let me tell you, as much as it's beautiful and there's a scenic view on the mountains, trust me, the food is always in the valley. I'm, I'm about to teach something this morning and I want you to catch on to what I'm trying to teach this morning. Everybody thinks that the food is in the mountain, but the food is not on the mountain. The food is always in the valley, no matter how treacherous, no matter how scary. You always, at some point in your life, have to step down from the mountain to come down to the valley to be able to experience that. The fruit is in the valley. Sheep hate narrow paths. Sheep hate shadows. Sheep hate the fact that there is no light, and that's you and me. We try to stay away from those narrow paths. We get really crazy when, when things don't happen the way we want it to happen. And many times in our lives, we find ourselves in the middle of a valley. We're, we're, we're weak and we're tired and we're, we're empty and alone. But I want to remind somebody this morning that valleys are bound to happen. They're pit stops. Their valleys are points of refreshment. They are points that God brings us to and you think that it's to harm you and it's to, you think that it's, it's moments that you're going to fall and crumble under the pressure but God is bringing you to those moments because his divine plan is beyond what you can see. See, the space between two mountaintop experiences, those are moments that God takes you through to be refreshed, not to drain you of your power. Sometimes we're so caught up in the awe and the wonder of the mountaintop experience that we find it painful to have to go through those valley experiences. And God is reminding us it's inevitable. The shepherd is taking those, the sheep down to, to keep it cool, to keep it refreshed, 
The runoff from the rains that come down from the mountains are found at the bottom of the valley. In places, in the most obscure places, and sometimes the shepherd has to go searching for the most, the creeks and the, and the places where water is logged up. And sometimes it's not easy to find, but the shepherd brings you to those places and they might look scary and they might look like God is not there, but God brings you to valleys. He's the God of the mountains and he's the God of the valleys. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? It's the same God that takes you up the mountain that brings you down to the valleys as well. The best place to feed is in depravity. There's only so much that you can be on the mountains. There's only so much you can stay away from the trouble. But when you come down to the valley experiences is where the water is, is where the feed is. And sometimes when we empty ourselves and when we're hungry is when God brings us to points and valleys in our life where God says, man, these are moments that I want to use to feed you. How many of us use our valley experiences and moments that we are fed as moments that God, you allow God to change you and transform you? Point number two is this. Psalm 23 and verse 4 says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some valleys are going to be darker than others. Someone say, I'm going to see dark valleys. This one is called the valley of the shadow of death. That's what David calls it. There are different valleys that you'll see in the Bible that I don't want to go into, but there are varied levels of valleys we encounter in life. Some are longer, some are steeper, some are harder, some are broader, some are wider, some are narrower. In Hosea, the Bible talks about a valley of calamity. In Psalm 84, there's a valley of weeping that we, 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 we learn about. The valley of Baca is what the Bible calls it. In, in Israel, there was a valley called the Valley of Kidron, the Kidron Valley. And it was, it was the valley of the shadow of death. They called it the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because there were graves all around in that valley. Not, not to scare anybody, but during the Feast of the Tabernacles, you know, they, they would light up the temple and they would, on, on the four sides of the tabernacles, uh, the posts of the tabernacle, they would go and light up these big torches. And they were so huge and humongous that the light from these torches would fill up the entire city. That's how bright it would be. That's how beautiful it would be. But there was one place that this would not get to, this light would not get to, and all of Jerusalem would be lift, lit except the Valley of Kidron. Haven't you been through those experiences in your life where you're like, man, Lord, everything is good. People around me are being lit. People around me are being blessed. I see good things happening to everybody, but why do I have to go through stuff like this? In your valley experience, you might feel and you might think that you're the only one that is in darkness and that might look right, that might seem right, and everybody else is okay. But in your valley experience, remember, there are dark times that only you and only you will go through. And nobody might be there to hold your hand. But in those moments, know that God is the one that led you there. And if he brought you to it, he will take you through it. Remember that. Times of darkness are going to come. Sometimes it comes out of nowhere. It surprises you. This can't be happening to me. I go to church. I tithe. I, 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 Lord, I, I show up. I serve three times a month. 
I serve every weekend, Lord. We, we pray as a family. God, we are generous. We are healthy. Lord, I'm, I'm a child of God. Lord, I worship. I don't hold anything back, Lord. Like some of us are facing some dark, difficult situations in your life and there is no explanation. And you're like, God, I'm doing everything by the book, but yet I can't see clearly, Lord. I don't understand what your plan is. Can I, can I leave something with you this morning? It's this. You can't see clearly when it's dark and cloudy. It's, it's simple. Everybody knows that. You can't. When it's foggy out there in the morning, when you, when you get out in your car, you're not going to be able to see clearly. See, faith is not about seeing. It's believing even though you can't see. Come on, am I talking to somebody? That's what the Bible tells us. It's not Ashish Matthew theology. This is what the Bible says. Faith is not about seeing. It's not God. Only what I see, I'm going to believe. That's not being a Christian. That's not being a believer. But life in Jesus Christ is that, Lord, you know what? I don't understand what I'm going through. I'm going through a very dark time. But faith is reminding you that God brought you there. That God allowed that to happen. That God is by your side. God did not promise a bed of roses. He said, man, you're going to have to face difficulties. You're going to have to face sadness. But the promise is I will always be with you. I heard the story about this uh, night that a house caught on fire and this young boy, he was forced to flee to the roof. The whole family was outside and the father stood on the ground below and with his outstretched arms and he was crying and saying, jump, jump, son, I'll catch you. I'm right here, I'll catch you. And he knew that the boy had to jump in order to save his life. But even though the father wanted him to jump, the son had to jump himself. And all the boy could see was flame and smoke and blackness all around him. And as can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. And no matter how much his dad kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you. The boy protested, daddy, I can't see you. I can't see you. You know what the dad looked at him and said? The dad simply responded and said, but son, I can see you. And that's all that matters. Do you understand in that situation, it's not about what the boy can see. It's about who's catching him. It's, it's about the father. Man, as long as I can see you, the, the smoke isn't bothering me. The flames aren't bothering me. All I'm asking you to do is trust and to jump because you may not be able to see me, but you can probably hear my voice and you need to trust that I, my arms are outstretched and I've, I've been waiting for this moment and you are my son and I'm going to do everything. And even though I have to put my body under you, trust me when I tell you this. I want you to jump because I know what's best for you. Because here's the thing, when we understand how mind-brain functions together, you know that faith, which is believing before seeing, is a natural process of creation. We choose not to. It's a natural instinct that God gives us. Faith is seeing light with your heart when all, you, all your eyes see is darkness all around you. My question is, what is your heart seeing today? When you go through the valley of darkness, is your heart, are you tapping into your heart that is reminding you, God is faithful. He that brought you to it is faithful. He is with you. He is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide for you. Even in the middle of, I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. Now, I don't know if I'm going to pass this, this, this exam. I don't know if this relationship is going to succeed. I don't know if my marriage is going to work out. In the middle of all that dilemma, faith is seeing light with your heart when all your eyes see is darkness. That's what faith is. My question to each one of us is, what are we making out of our darkness? 
Point number three. You can be fearless. In a valley, you can be fearless. You can, emphasis on that word can, you can be fearless. David says, I will fear no evil. Come on, somebody. There is so much of certainty associated with that phrase, I will not. Someone say, I will not. Can I, can I, can I tell you something this morning? Fear is a choice. Fear is a choice. I'm facing evil, but I will fear no evil. Do you know that 80% of all decisions that we make in our human existence are all based on fear? What do you mean, Ashish? What do you mean by that? Uh, see, because most people don't choose what they really want. They choose what they think is safe. It's not, God, what do you want me to do? I want you to do this, but Lord, I don't have the money for that. I have this much money. Can I do this with this? Like We often gauge what we can do based on our own abilities, based on what we have in our hand. But, but trust me when I tell you this, some of the biggest things were not birthed by complacent people sitting back and saying, you know what, I don't trust and I don't have, there, there needs to be faith and one of the biggest adjustments you need to make in a valley is an attitude adjustment. Some of us need to have an attitude adjustment in our lives. See, David doesn't say, though I run through the valley. He doesn't say, though I trip and fall in the valley, though I shake in, in my boots in the valley. He says, though I walk in the valley, even when you're tempted to run, even when you're tempted to run away from your situations, you make a choice and say, God, I will stand my ground and see you work in and through my life. It's a choice. Am I going to be fearful? Am I going to be afraid? Am I going to succumb to fear? He says, though I walk through the valley. He's walking, but he's not afraid. He's making his way through it all. He's taking it in, but he's not afraid. He's saying, God, I refuse to be afraid. How many of you can look at the most threatening situation that you're going through in your life and say, I refuse to be afraid? We need some bold people. It's better said than done, Pastor. How do you put that into motion? It is that faith that you tap into, Shala. It's that faith that you tap into when everything is working against you, when the odds are stacked up against you, when nothing is in your favor to stand your ground and say, if my God said it and if he brought me to it, he is faithful, he is faithful, he is faithful. Take it in. Look around the valley. Walk through the valley. Enjoy the valley. Brother, that just sounds just so bad. Like, why would I enjoy some bad experiences and darkness? No, take it in. Take some moments to ask God what he's teaching you through the valley that you're going through in your life. It's a choice. You can be fearless if you want to. Do not let the enemy see that, that you are afraid. When you are in a valley experience that is drowning you, that is drowning your faith, look at God and say, God, with everything I have, I want to trust you. I want to put my faith in you. But brother, do I just ignore the evil that exists around us? Do I just ignore the darkness that is... No, I don't ask you to ignore it. Evil exists. Darkness exists. You know, in grad school, I came across this, uh, uh, we, we studied about Christian science, right? Uh, I don't know what that is. There's, there's no Christian or science in it. You know, it's like grape nuts. There's no grapes or nuts in it. No substance. All right? it, it was Mary Baker. She denied the existence of evil. She said, it's an illusion 
just like sickness and death. All right, Mary Baker. David knows it exists. He says, I'm not in denial that that evil is around me. I'm not in denial that that physical condition is around me. Come on, somebody. I'm not in denial that my marriage is going through some hard times. I'm not in denial that I have some issues with my relationship. I'm not in denial that I'm failing this class. Or I'm not in denial that I may not make it through school. I'm not in denial that I have this physical condition. But you have the choice to tap into faith, which looks at you and says, faith and fear can't work hand in hand. It always clashes. When you choose one, the other one collapses. When you pick the other one, the other one collapses. It's either faith or it's either fear. You pick what you want. Picking either will not change your circumstances immediately, probably. Faith might not say, oh, it's all gone. Oh, brother, if I just have faith and trust, say, they say God is in control, it might, will everything go away? It might not. If you have fear, will it all? No. It might not change your situation. But you know what? The ability to stand your ground, like Job, who lost everything. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his, his family, right? His, 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 his job. He had such an encouraging wife. His wife looks at him and says, sweetheart, go ahead and curse God and die. Because you know what? That's what you can do right now. But what was his response? His response was the Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Even in the valley situation, y'all. I know that pain is there. I know that pain is going to come. And I might be the most upright. Job is probably going to look at you and say, I might be the most upright man. I might be the most blameless man. I might do everything by the book. But guess what? I'm not going to allow that fear to get to me. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Some of us need to understand the power of spiritual warfare. And what spiritual warfare means is you and I having the authority and having the willingness to step up and rebuke every plan and scheme of the enemy on your life to bring fear and instill fear in your life. Some of you have to step up and say, I refuse to live under fear. I choose faith. I don't choose fear. See, because here's what pain will do. Pain will move you in one of two directions. It will either break your back or it will bend your knee. Okay? It, it would, one of these two things. Pain will do one of these two things. It depends upon what you lean into, fear or faith, because some people turn bitter when pain comes into their life. The moment they step into valleys, some of them become battered. Some of them are hurt. Some of them, there's no coming back from those traumatic experiences. But others, they will become better, not by themselves, not because of the the power that they have upon themselves, not because of their own ability, but because of the Jesus that they tap into, the faith that they hold on to, the word of God that they can resolve to that says he said it and he will do it he is upon my life his hand is upon my life God you will never leave me nor forsake me even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death Lord I know that you are on the other side he says walk through it he doesn't say run through it he doesn't say evade it he doesn't say keep away from it he doesn't say as soon as he's in the valley run the opposite that's not what the Bible says He says, man, I've learned to walk through my valleys. I want to encourage somebody today. Walk through your valleys with your head held high. You may cry through it. 
You may be afraid. You might be scared out of your mind and you don't know what's going to happen. But hold on to the promises of God that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The word of God that says, because I live, you will also live. The word of God that says, there will be no harm that will come near you. Though you walk through the waters, I am there. Though the, though the, though the, the flood waters may try to overtake you, I will be there. Come on, somebody. He is a God who is a promise keeper. And he's a God that will keep his end of the bargain all the time and his end of the bargain is I will be with you and David declares that and says I will fear no evil see the reason David is so confident and can say this is because it's called a valley of the shadow of death not the valley of death I need to remind somebody just that today it's not called I I, I didn't say that God is going to lead you into the valley of death He's, he's leading you through a valley of the shadow. It's just a shadow. Someone say it's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. How many of you have ever been run over by the shadow of a truck? I was hoping one, one person was not listening to my message and said, yeah, praise God. <laughs> have you ever been bit by the shadow of a dog? The correct answer is no. Yeah, you have? The shadow of a dog? <laughs> so, 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 I know there's some people like that. I don't want anything to do with dogs. Yeah. How many of you have been cut by the shadow of a knife? It's impossible, right? Shadows look bigger than they are. They look more intimidating. They look more ominous. But there's no substance. It's just the shadow. And God is reminding us this morning, how many of you have the faith to know that the trials that you're going through is just a shadow? Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, it might look like death, it might look intimidating, it might look like it's going to end you, but trust me, it's just a shadow. Let me leave you with point number four, and then we'll jump to five, and then we'll pray. Four is this, God is in the valleys. (laughs) He goes on to say, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Emmanuel. Hey, if there's nothing else you listen to today, listen to this. Because this is what drives the nail home today. Stop. I want you to stop, like, whatever you're doing, and I want you to listen to, like, do you notice the change in pronoun here? Like, this is good. See, from the third person, he moves to the second person. So, verse number one to three, he's speaking about God. All right? If you notice that, the Lord is my shepherd. Here's what you need to know about my God. Hey, I'm shouting out about my God through the roof. Come on. Am I talking? So he's, he's exclaiming the goodness and the amazing power of God. Blah, 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 blah. And verse number four, he goes from he, he, he to speaking to God. You better catch this drift. This is good. Okay? You are with me. Your rod and your staff they come. You prepare a table before me. All of a sudden, the ultimate becomes the intimate. Catch on to this. He didn't say there won't be valleys. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I will be with you in the valleys. And that's what David is tapping into here. He's just not tapping into the knowledge of God. The knowledge that he's going to be there. He's tapping into the God. I know you have been there for me before. And I know that you will continue to be there. See, when you go through valleys, instead of talking about God, talk to God. 
he transitions about, I know this about God. I know that God is magnificent. I know that God is good. I know that God is all powerful. But all that aside, I'm going through a hard situation in my life. So more than knowledge, let me tap into experience. Come on, somebody. Let me tap into what I have experienced. If God did it yesterday, I know that he will do it again. So let me have a direct conversation with my God. My God. For some of us, we don't know that God personally. And I want to I I talk to you today. If you do not know that Jesus personally in your life, if you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, I tell you, life in Christ Jesus is completely life-changing. It is completely life-changing. Philip Keller, who writes a beautiful book, based on Psalm 23, writes this. He says, I'm nothing but a sheep at ease in the presence of a shepherd. Can I tell you what's, there's nothing worse, there's nothing worse than going through a valley and knowing that you're alone. How many of you have been there in your life? I've been there plenty of times where I've been through valley experiences and I'm like, Lord, why did I have to go through this by myself? My daughters have nightmares. I don't know about your kids, but my kids sometimes do. And sometimes it's about stuff that happens to them during the day. Crazy. It's not nightmares to where they're kind of, they can't sleep through the night, but they wake up in the middle of the night and they're talking. The other day I was laying down with my daughter, putting her to sleep. I fell asleep with her at three in the morning. I, I'm, I'm woken up to this loud crying, ah, daddy! I'm like, what's up, baby? Don't bite me! I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? She said that out in public, people would think I was biting her throughout the day, and she's like thinking about that at night. She's like, Daddy, don't bite me. And I just gave you one example. I can go on, and you can have like this, this laughter session of the things they say. But you know, sometimes all it takes, and not sometimes, almost every time, all it takes is a slight tap on their shoulder, on their back, saying, Daddy's right here. Or if it's my younger one, she wakes up in the middle of the night and she wants to be sang to. There's a song that we sing to her to put her to sleep and it goes, sleep my baby, sleep real good. You are daddy's baby girl. Daddy loves you very much. Do not copy it. I have a copyright on that song, okay? So we put their names in. Three o'clock in the morning, she wakes up and she's like, daddy, sleep, sleep my baby. Or mommy, sleep my baby. And we don't, we don't sing it to her. It's hysterical. It's just, she, gets, she goes hysterical, and, and we have to sing it. And all, all, all she needs is that one line, sleep, my baby, sleep real good. And then Sonia goes back to sleep. I go back to sleep. She's good. But a calming voice, the familiar voice that reminds her, daddy's right here. See, after I became a Christian, I refused to enter valleys without God on my side. I've simply refused to. I remember the times that I would fight battles on my own, hoping that I would win using my own knowledge, my understanding, my understanding of the world, my own knowledge base, the abilities that I had, the talents and the skills that that I had. But ever since I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I have refused, I made the choice to enter every valley that I face. By the words, God, if you're not there, I don't want to be there. See, God will never leave you alone to fend for yourself. That was never the part of the deal. 
The famous missionary to Africa, David Livingston, received this award in Scotland when he, was, when he came back home to visit for a very short time. They applauded him, and in the speech he said, I thank you for this award, but I'm going back to Africa to finish my course. And he was mauled by a lion, so he's walking around with his arm that's like literally like immobile, and he's like face torn apart by the lion, and he's like, people are like, why do you want to go back? Just stay here. You've done what you have done. You've received this award. <laughs> and he, he looks at them and says, the verse that keeps me going is the verse that says, lo and behold, I will be with you even till the end of time. And he said, I stake my life on that promise. What that means is he takes a stake and he drives into the ground of his life and he says, you're not going anywhere. God's not going anywhere. And, and because of that, you're not going anywhere. And, he, and, 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 and you know what Jesus reminds us and he says, he says this in John 14, 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Here's the thing that I want to leave you with. The richness of the fellowship that you have with God in the valley is incomparable to anything else that you will experience in your life. The reason I told you to enjoy valley experiences are it's those moments that God selectively chooses to pour into your life and to, to, to fill you with life and to fill you with a new chapter and to fill you with newness and refreshing. Sometimes God takes you through those valley experiences intentionally to say, hey, the old chapter is gone. I'm, I'm moving you to a new chapter in your life. There's new beginnings in your life. We learn lessons of insight into God's character in these, in these valleys. Because I want to repeat to you over and over again, the same God of the mountaintops is the God of the valleys. See, mountaintops allow you to be in awe of the goodness of God. Valleys allow you to trust in the goodness of God. Okay? Aren't those the mountaintop experiences? How many of you have ever been to a mountaintop? Right? You go up the mountain and you're like, ugh, I hate this. No. You always are like, wow. Right? Like, mountaintops make the Instagram stories. Right? Like valleys are what makes your life a story without what that, that's that that's worth telling. Am I talking about it? Your your moment, your glimpses of the mountaintop may come and they may go, it may change from season to season, but what you experience in the valley. Oh man, that's, you can't trade that for anything else because when one is your Instagram story that disappears within time, your, your valleys are what makes your life a story that's worth telling to your children and your children's children and their children because that is a legacy. When mountaintops give you medals to hang on the wall, valleys forge legacies and destinies that you will say for generations to come. Movers and shakers in this Bible that we read about are not people that sat on the mountaintop and got to see the view. They were people that went through the valleys and experienced the lows. They were people that, that, that defeated adver adversities and, and things that came against them. That's who this Bible is filled with. Point number five, I'm closing with this. Valleys are temporary. Valleys are temporary. He says, though I go through the valleys. I'm kind of backtracking. I'm coming back to where I started. He says, though I walk through. Not though I end up in the valley of the shadow of death. 
There is no finality associated with the word. David knows that this is just, this is just something that he's passing through. Come on, somebody. Mm. Though I go through, you will come through valleys. It's not the end game. Like, like, it's like the sheep that was in this dark ravine. He's been invited into this tent or this home. Like this, this, this sheep has been going through a hard time and, and he's about to enter. And, and then there's this table that's going to be prepared before him. And before that, he's reminded, hey, this is not the end game. It's not the final say. Can I remind somebody something today? The enemy does not have the final say in your life. Your valley does not have the final say in your life. The only person that can put a full stop, that can put a period on your story, the only person that can say the end is the one that started it in the first place. And I serve a God who just not calls himself Alpha. He calls himself Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that breathed life into you. He's the one that looks at you and says, when your day is done, when your course is over, when your race is run, I will look into your eyes and I will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Till then, you're going to go through valleys. You're going to go through valleys. Hmm. And this is the beautiful thing. He says, my cup runs over. See, if you were invited into a person's home in biblical times, uh, you know, they would greet you at the door, right, with a kiss on your cheek, all right, and then they, they would invite you inside and they would rub scented oil all over you and sandals were taken off your feet and they were washed. I'm giving you ideas just in case I visit your home, okay? Now, now the, there, was, there, was, there was wine with honey that was offered. There was this rug, this grand rug on the floor. And, and, and the host will refill the cup that was given to him to show generosity. And the more he would drink, the more it would be refilled because that was the generosity. And if they ever ran out, that didn't speak good about the host. The Bible says, man, my cup runs over. How many of you in your valleys know that God provide, not just provides valleys of experiences that you don't like, but also that you're going through those valleys so you end up in places that God puts you in where without your knowledge, he's, he's treating you to a grand feast. He prepares tables without your knowledge. How are you looking at your valleys? How are you looking at these cups that God gives you? How is your attitude? Are you shifting your attitude? How are you looking at that cup? Are you looking at that cup half empty or half full? Some of you, hey brother, how you doing? Uh, my cup leaketh over. <laughs> See, if life was a Winnie the Pooh episode, who are you going to be, Tigger or Eeyore? Because Tigger will always tell you, my cup runs over. Eeyore will always look at you and say, my cup, le- cup leaketh over. Like, how are you looking at your life and your valley today? Because there's only one thing that the shadow can tell you. The shadow that you're going through in your life and you're like, Lord, this is overwhelming, God. Shadows only mean that there's a light shining somewhere close by. If you're in a valley, instead of dwelling on the pain of your valley, start looking for the light because there's a light somewhere around. You know, in 1 Peter 5 and 10, the Bible says this beautiful, this is beautiful passage. It says it won't, your suffering won't last forever. It won't be for long. 
That's what the Bible says. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be for long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. It's in the Bible, y'all. I didn't make that up. Death does not have its final say. Disease does not have its final say. Come on, somebody. Your failures do not have its final say. It might be momentary affliction, but for the moment that the the pain that you're going through will yield something eternal. Even Jesus spent time in the valley. Worship team, would you come up real quick? Even Jesus spent time in the valley. Jesus spends his last hours of his life in one of the darkest valleys in the Bible. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And that garden was at the base of the Mount of Olives at the bottom of the Kidron Valley that we spoke about earlier. Where the shadow was really dark, the path was really narrow to the point where Jesus actually looked and said, God, would you take this cup of suffering away from me? I I don't like this one bit, God. He experienced that valley. He went through that. He can say, I've been there. I can relate with you. I will walk with you. That's what Jesus says. I've been there. I've done that. The valley of the shadow of death holds no darkness for the child of God. There must be light. For those of y'all who didn't catch on to that, I'm going to repeat that one more time. The valley of the shadow of death holds no darkness for the child of God. There must be light. Because you know what? Shadow owes its birth to light. And you know who that light is? Jesus is the light. He said that himself, I am the light of the world. He has overcome death. He took care of that on the cross of Calvary. He had the final say. And because of that, David can boldly look at you and me and say, he leaves us with this. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I want to pause there for just a second before we pray. Do you see the surety in his voice? So many of us skip through that verse and says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days. That's not how you read it. Can I tell you how you read it? You read it like this. Surely, pause for a second. Think about what you just said. Be confident in the fact about what you're going to say next and say, surely, mm, relish that and say goodness and mercy. It's not surely goodness. It's surely goodness and mercy. Someone say after me, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not just through this valley, okay, listen to me, not just through this valley experience. He knows that this is temporary. He says, though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, surely I know that goodness and mercy has been there with me yesterday. And the same goodness and mercy that got got me through yesterday is the same goodness and mercy that will get me through tomorrow. You know, here's what we're prone to do as humans, as Christians. See, we're so prone to write our troubles in, in, in marble and, and, and his mercies on sand. We etch all our troubles in marble. We remember every one of them. But mercies, his goodness, we have the tendency of writing it in sand and forgetting about it because of how common they are. 
And that's what the hymnist says. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Sometimes when you go through the valleys, remember that God has never left your side. And as you count your many blessings, start naming them one by one. He gives you a promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I love you dearly. I am your God. You are my child. I am your father. I will always love you no matter what you go through in your life. Would you stand up to your feet with me this morning? I don't know who's going through a valley today. I hate valleys, y'all. I don't know about you, but I hate valleys. I needed to preach this encouraging word this morning because I know there are some of us going through some valley experiences. It's been crazy hard for some people this last, these last few weeks, these last few months. There are some people standing over here that, that's going through a hard time, that's going through some valley experiences, and we as a church, we want to just pray today. Can we do that? We pray for God things this year. We've been praying for Alex's dad for two months now. Two, three months? How, how long have we been praying? Two months? Two months. After da- Alex's dad was diagnosed with COVID, he, due to COVID uh, complications, he was put on the ventilator. He was, the doctors looked at him and, uh, and said, there's no hope. They looked at Alex's mom and said, you need to make a decision. They looked at her and said, she, she's not here today. She's with him in the hospital right now. But she looked at him, and I, I want to encourage somebody today. She looked at him and said, you need to make a decision. Like, and she started, they started telling her, like, like, what would he want? Would he want to live in suffering? Or would he want to be taken out of this pain? You need to make a decision if he needs to be taken off all these machines that are making him live. Alex's mom told me that she called Alex and said, Alex, this is what the doctors are saying. And Alex looked at his mom and said, Mom, I don't care what they say. We will not give in to fear. We will not take her off. We take him off any of these machines. If God has a plan for him, he will live. This morning, I got a text from Norma. She wanted to be here in service, but I got a text from Norma. And they said, today was the first day that they take him off the ventilator completely. Come on, somebody. Give God a mighty, mighty, mighty hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. What a good God thinks. Amen. When the enemy says no and he takes you through the valley of the shadow of death and when death comes knocking at your door, we need some people to step up and say, but God. I need some people to breathe over your situations and say, the medical report may say this. We're a church that believes in that, y'all. We don't shy away from that. We don't sugarcoat it. We pray. We pray up a storm. We pray God's will, but it doesn't take away from the fact that we pray in the name of Jesus and we pray and ask in the name of Jesus, mountains can move. And I don't know what what situation you're going through in your life. I don't know what valley situation you are encountering in your life. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.